Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. There was some beautiful cadence there, Hope. <laughs> I'm Hamish. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. <laughs> Steel. And I'm Jade. Very respectable four out of five stars, Rose. <laughs> um, and today we're going to tackle well, it's kind of a big one. Our entire show is about critiquing and commenting on queer representation media. That's sort of where we started yes. from. <clears throat> but we sort of wanted to talk about how we go about that uh, and how sort of it, uh, in the wider perspective of the queer community, critiquing the media that we're presented with. Uh, is there better ways for us to consume the media that's out there? I think, yeah, this episode is um, more of a casual conversation and getting some things off our chests about uh, trends we see trends we see and just moving forward as we see more queer representation um, and the reactions the to reactions that representation yeah. by the community I don't want this to become tone policing God no. um, and we're an audio medium but we don't go in for tone policing <laughs> That's a um, little crap joke. Carry on, please. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that all we do is get angry at things. Um, or passionate about or things. Or passionate about things. So we, we're coming at everything from different angles. Yeah. Um, I just think especially recently we've seen a few um, reactions to things where... F- for the first time in a while, I feel like I'm actually not on the same uh wavelength wavelength frequency. or i'm thinking um let's think about this in a more nuanced way yeah. um and i think the way in which we critique media um i don't know i think it's quite it's just a new phenomenon the way that we can directly contact the creators of the things mm-hmm. that we yeah consume. I, I feel like uh with the way that things are now, like we have these arguably open channels where people feel like that is there. And a lot of creators are seeking to communicate and that's great. Yeah. Um, so that there is space for this dialogue to happen. But as always, the internet in particular is full of places for people just to shout their opinions incredibly loudly. And, you know, people should be allowed to, to, to voice their opinions. doesn't mean I have to listen to them if I think they're being unfair or rude or downright insert your phobic here. I think we're going to be really looking at this topic from both a perspective as fans and also creators. Yeah. Um, and I sympathise greatly with um, creators in bad uh, situations and also... Um, fandoms who feel uh, yeah mistreated for sure I think for a very long time queer fans have had a very rough time of seeing themselves in things if they got to see themselves at all and so when representation does start happening I think it's very understandable for people to go oh yay oh no no not like this never like not like this never like this and I think sometimes we give undue kudos to things that aren't trying hard enough. 
and unfair criticism to things that really are trying but perhaps have their hands tied. And because there's, I think we mentioned every other episode, because yeah. there's so little representation, uh, everything that tries has to be perfect for everyone yeah it's that, when, so, yeah. that's unfair yeah it's a particular i suppose an upsetting phenomenon that seems to be that queer creators and uh creators of color mm. seem to fall under heavier criticism particularly from the community or from people who are maybe part of these minority groups whereas the cishet white largely male dominated world when they do the barest amount, get all the kudos, all the cookies, mm. all the praise. We're just like, oh, well, they're, they're straight white guys. They don't know any better. The fact that they've done a little bit, they get credit for. Whereas people striving to represent themselves in the things they present, people go, yeah, but why did you make that choice? Why did you do yeah. it that way? And also just uh, smaller India creators mm-hmm. seem to get a lot Yes. Of harsh criticism. I don't think it's fair to say they get more because I see a lot of discourse about like Star Wars and Marvel. No, that's and stuff. true. Um, but I suppose when you are an indie, it's it's relative. I yes, suppose. Yes, exactly. When something is consumed by millions slash billions of people, then you know your voice is going to get maybe lost in the masses. Whereas if you are an indie creator trying to do something, you hear mm. all of those things. So one thing I've mentioned in the last in a few episodes I wanted to mention in regards to this is Dream Daddy, a dad dating simulator. I've heard of it. Um, very small team. It was advertised as being from the game Grumps, but really um, it's by two people called Vernon and Layton, mm-hmm. and uh, who are connected to the Game Grumps and use them to help fund it. And mm. they do they some... They do voices, don't they? They do voice acting, but there's very limited voice acting in the game okay. anyway. Uh, I mean, I think it's fair for the, the connection that they have to the, that the Game Grumps then put mm. them to put their their weight behind it and helped get get it out there. Yeah. Um, I think that's more than fair. I've had issues with the Game Grumps in the past, but I think that's good using your position and... Yeah. That's good allyship, I suppose. Yes. And Dream Daddy is, you know, it's a bit of a joke in some respects, but it's also a game made by queer people intended for queer people that other people can enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very clear very early on that um, it's made with queer people in mind. Yeah. And they did a lot of uh, talking with gay and bisexual and pansexual fathers mm-hmm. and they did a lot of talking with the queer community about things they'd like to see um something that's quite unique in dating sims is that the uh the date the men you can choose are designed to be appealing to men yes whereas it's they're not sort of they delicate anime boys the female which is usually the, the straight stereotype. female gaze. Yes, which is the, the the general stereotype you get with dating sims. Yeah. So it just feels like a lot of effort was put into um, uh, making it a game that we uh, wouldn't upset us, um, while also still having a bit of fun and still having the aspiration of mass appeal. Yeah. Um, I also mentioned before how I raised all my concerns and then Leighton... Uh, followed me and mm. 
engage with me in a small amount about yeah. my concerns. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. And the fact, I think it helps with that, that I was raising concerns. I wasn't instant angry backlash. I yeah. was, hello, I've been burnt a lot before by games promising representation. Mm-hmm. Can I ask these questions? And I just thought it was nice interaction between us. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't played the game yet. I'm sure I will. I don't have a Steam account, but I think I have a friend who does, so I'm probably going to go hang out with her <laughs> and uh, play the game, because why wouldn't I? Because I think the character designs are really cute. Yeah. Um, but from from my understanding, I've read a few articles uh, from critics and things like that, like game critics, um, a number of whom are queer, uh, seeing where they stand on the game, and it was interesting... From my perspective, just to, to read that, a lot of the issues, people are only, tend to be fairly standard dating sim issues, yeah. for example. I did see uh, one, in one article I wrote, um, the one of the writers, they would, it was sort of done as a sort of a table discussion, almost article, and uh, the one of the writers, uh, a, a trans gay man, or gay trans man, sorry, was saying like at the, I think it's the opening scene yet, there's a barbecue where all of the dads are there. Mm-hmm. And um, they said they chose to sleep, I think, with, with Robert. I think that was an option to do. And they immediately, uh, he said he got the thing bad dad. He's just like, that feels unfair. My daughter was somewhere safe with friends. I don't <laughs> understand why I got that. And that was just a, an issue he raised in that article. But that was just sort of a, a small thing maybe with the writing. What's really thrown me is... Because I haven't played it, and because I'm only like peripherally aware of some of the dialogue around it, a lot of talk about oh, this is transphobic. This game is transphobic. This game is homophobic, and I've, from my limited perspective, gone. Why? I have no real idea. I saw a post on Tumblr, literally completely making up a scene. Yeah, it seems like such a. They said so. Okay, I will talk about. One of the dads, Damien, is trans. Vampire um, dad. Vampire dad. Um, he's voiced by a trans actor. Um, oh, sorry, what? Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I mean, the voice acting is limited to like. Ah, uh, okay. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, yes. you should have been a voice on this guy. Let's do that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. minimal. It's minimal, um, and as far as I can tell. References to being trans are not... They blink it, and you'll miss it? Yeah, but they're there for... What I think is really interesting is that the trans players of the game see them and it's for them and they've, he's been very very appreciated. Yes. Um, and there's been backlash at the fact that he's, in huge quotation marks, femme. Right. And that's bad because... He's a trans man. Right. And A, I don't think he's femme. He Long has, hair does not equal femme. Yeah, he's perpetuating a very masculine but very archaic idea of that. Yeah. B, it doesn't matter if he is. And femme trans men exist. Yeah. And I think that, again, it's just that we don't get a lot of representation. So, um,. Everything, every point of representation is far more important. The, yeah. The thing I'm going to mentioning a lot in this discussion... Yes. ...is 
when there's huge backlash to uh, people trying to include trans characters, for example, or any type of um, character that doesn't get represented very much, and yeah. they just get backlash from the bigots, but also the community. Yeah. Um, I just feel it won't encourage people to keep trying. Yeah. I, I do wonder if some of this backlash, the transphobia home, is a result of the gang grumps mm. connection, because I know that you, in the past we've discussed this, maybe not on mic, and I appreciate that people change, but in the past I know the gang grumps have had like humour that has maybe sued towards uh, mm. indirect maybe not aggressively homophobic or transphobic thing, but there has been elements of that in their humour in the past. Yeah, that was my first concern. Because that, that remember, that's I've, why I, I mentioned yeah, it. They've, I don't think in a bad way, but they've used homoeroticism as... As a punchline? As a punchline. Um, I've mentioned this a couple of times, and people have often told me that Aaron is bisexual. I have then looked it up and found out that equal or more queer people saying no he's not he said many times he's not and other people saying yes is it's one of these weird things yeah don't really care Mm -hmm. you can still perpetuate bad jokes yes and if you're not actively visible in the community as someone like that then your Mm -hmm. jokes are going to come across badly yes that said Mm -hmm. from the get-go when you're designing your dad and you you have all these trans options and they're discussing different sexualities and different things about gender i just feel you're in mm. this game you're in this environment yeah that nothing feels mean or yeah um at the expense of trans people yeah and i mean i understand um that maybe there are some stereotypes in mm-hmm. there i don't know um i've been spoiled. I say spoiled because I was sort of doing mm. a bit of research about one of the dads and they are not a nice man no. at all. But the, here's the here's the thing. Um, you're allowed to have bad people be queer. Yeah. Like, especially when you have a game that's full of queer characters, having one, one of them be a villain. Mm-hmm. That's not homophobic. That's writing. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's... <sighs> this is what, what the episode's about. It's that I want to be able to critique things. And not, I don't want to tell people, no, your criticism isn't valid because yes. I disagree with it. Um, it's more about... Would you... <sighs> I don't know. It, it's, again, that like, is bad representation better than no representation? Yeah. Um, sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't Um, I find the fact that this game is feels very much like it's made for us to be infinitely better than a game which is kind of yowie uh, I can't remember the right words but very like voyeuristic into yeah, I mean, we, we we talk about the male gaze, uh, but there is also, um, I remember, I forget the, the, the name of the show, and I'm not saying the show isn't, that's one with uh, Ellen Page and her friends, like, travelling around the world. Gaycation? Gaycation, thank yeah. you. Uh, when they were in Japan, and they talked to some um, yaoi fangirls. Yeah. And just, like, the way that kind of content is produ- it's produced very much with that audience in mind. Yeah, the idea that... Um, it comes. It, I've heard that it comes from 
women not wanting to see themselves uh, because in sort of porn or eroticism because often the power issue makes it very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which I understand. But in Yaoi, it means that very often there's still that weird power issue, which is so not mm. similar to most queer relationships. Yeah. I will say neither of us are experts on this. Like I may have dabbled <laughs> in the past. I mean, I have a couple of friends who have been very into the genre over the time. But also, it's not just... No, I'm getting off to. I was going to say, it's not just straight women that like yaoi. No. Far, far, far from it. But I get the feeling like talking about um, the consumption of male-male pairings by straight women is a topic for another day. Yes, yes, and I agree. something that we should maybe discuss. But the reason why I have dabbled is being starved for representation and searching for it. And yes. Something like Dream Daddy... I don't know, I, I hate myself for even saying these kinds of things, but, like... <laughs> Radio silence. I, it, it feels like... certain... I don't know. It's right for me in my in my headspace at the time when I've been starved in this way. Yeah. I think some people who might have been growing up seeing more representation than we might have done in when growing up feel and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's me being a grumpy old man. Like Yeah, you're feel, such an old man. But feel they deserve more or yeah, I, I they don't, expect more. I don't like to use the word entitled because that implies yeah. something I'm not comfortable implying. But I think once you have a certain base level, you want more what's I say is um your your standard of elevation for happiness is always going up. Mm. Like I mean I expect more as my myself. Like I I the fact that I'm disappointed that yeah. the male relationship and mass effect wasn't Mm. good enough is something that five or whatever years ago I'd be shocked that I'd even have that thought I I don't think there's anything wrong with us raising the bar in terms of what we're content with seeing yeah when you have nothing anything is better when you have some when you have bad representation it's something you want good representation there is nothing wrong with wanting that no, and I just think it is different when something like Dream Daddy, where it comes from queer people, for queer people, filled with queer people, making fun of ourselves a little bit. Yeah. It just feels, why is that the hill you've chosen to die on? <laughs> yeah, and I I don't think, um, something we're probably going to refer to back, uh, Hamish has already said it once, is about what diverse media is. Mm. And it really... It's not a search for one perfect thing. It's a constant journey. We should ideally get to a place where it's just media. Yeah. And we don't have to differentiate. But we aren't there yet. Mm -hmm. But I think a criticism I feel that I see a lot is that things aren't doing enough or they aren't doing the right kind of representation. Um, uh, as I mentioned on our last Catch Up Geek Out, I've recently discovered the Penumbra podcast, mm-hmm. which I am very fond of um, for a number of reasons. Um, and a criticism that's sort of been floating around the community a lot, uh, apparent that it seems anyway, is that it is bad representation. 
and that the Penumbra podcast um, doesn't do a good job of, even though they claim to be about diverse storytelling, that they are not because so many of, particularly if you're looking at, for example, the Juno Steel stories, they're very male-led. And it's just like, okay, you, you make a point. <laughs> um, somebody uh, on Tumblr uh, who I follow called uh, Wastrel Woods did a very good breakdown of like the female representation within the Juno Steel stories. And, yeah, I feel like maybe an argument could be made there was some upset in a recent story uh, with uh, a character uh, who expressed, uh, a female character that expressed attraction uh, to mm. one of our main recurring characters. Um, and that character, was the attraction was reciprocal. And then one of those characters died over the course of the episode. And it's interesting, when we weren't quite sure what the format of this episode was going to be, uh, we did, we're floating the title, Let Us Bury Our Own Gaze. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of upset about that, just like, oh, it looked like we were going to get a lesbian couple for the first time, which isn't true because there has been another lesbian couple in, in Juno, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were like, oh, we want more lesbian representation. And I think the creators just like, that we get it. That isn't the story that we were telling there. That doesn't mean it won't happen in the future. But I get why people might be frustrated about that. However, our lead character in the Juno Steel stories is a bisexual, non-binary man who is trans-feminine. Do you know any other examples of that anywhere? Mm. And it's like, I don't get it. Like, yes, it's great. Oh, we'd love to see more queer characters in there. There is a bit of a running joke uh, said by the creators. There's only one character in the Juno Steel universe who's straight, and that's Mick Mercury, the only straight man on Mars, Mm. which is an amusing title to give to a character. But, um, yeah, uh, just... I think... Yeah, I was just going to say, but what's interesting is the team behind Penumbra... They've specifically said they can only be what they are. They won't write stories they don't know how to tell well because they're dedicated to writing stories that constitute good representation rather than token representation for its own sake. The stories can only be what they are. They can't be every story at the same time. And that's exactly what you were saying yeah. before. And it's we're going to talk about... Um, I'm going to talk about my own experience as being a creator uh, later... And but that idea where if you offer someone some representation, they're always going to want more. Yes. Um, so if they find themselves, oh, I'm in a queer safe show. Where's this type of character? Where's this type of character? Where's my representation? Yeah, and it sucks because I want everyone to feel represented. Represented, but mm-hmm. um, I mentioned it a few ep- uh, many episodes ago when talking about the film um, GBF. Yes. And how I saw a review which criticised it for not having. Um, a trans character and a bisexual character and a lesbian character, um, even though it was in the LGBT section. And it's because that's a film very specifically about the trope of the gay best friend. Yeah. Um, it would have been cool to have those kinds of characters, but mm-hmm. if something's in the LGBT section, then it doesn't need, it doesn't Do it have mean to be that... all four. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, we've talked before about the 
issue with labeling something as good LGBT representation when no, yeah. it, it's good gay representation yeah. or it's good bisexual representation. Well, well, well. no, <laughs> it's always going to be it's good gay representation, and the others are kind of like, mm, yeah. Uh, <sighs> it's just that I I want there to be all these shows for everything, but yeah. it's quite hard to make everyone happy with your um yeah story and that's why you shouldn't you shouldn't go into creating something saying i'm going to tell the trans story yeah. or the lesbian story and try and get it perfect mm. um you I, should try and tell your character story yeah and i think that's what it boils down to as i said it's about you want to tell stories with good representation not token representation mm. and like just because we are just because we're part of the community doesn't mean we can't fall into the trap of tokenism yeah it's it's something to be aware of i don't i know i as a a would-be creator don't want to ever fall in that trap i strive not to because that feels disrespectful yeah but i want to have as many different parts of my community present in the things that i create they're my people of course i want them in in the worlds that i'm creating Mm. But I don't ever want it. I would. I would rather not represent somebody than do it badly. Yeah, it's one thing if I've tried and I've made a misstep, and then I would want to know, like, oh, I can see that you were trying to do this. This was a problem with it. So it's like, oh, cool. That's actionable criticism. Yeah, and I think that's part of where being a queer fan of things and offering your criticism becomes. That's you being helpful, I suppose. Mm. I mean, I I feel that I'm more critical critical of queer criticism yeah. than I am of other types of criticism. For example, with Steven Universe, I've yeah. read pages and pages of um, criticism about its portrayal of race. Okay, and I always find it very interesting, and I'm and I'm supportive of those discussions being brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many ways, the show has been receptive to that. Yeah. Um, there was recent criticism about the art book. All oh, right. Um, which features some early designs for some gems, uh, which looked quite dodgy. Okay. In terms of very similar to bad ways people used to draw people of a certain race. Okay. Um, and they immediately said, we're, like, so sorry that we don't know why that got in there and it'll be out of every future reprinting. Um, the thing is, I notice quite often a cycle of criticism. And yeah. I'm only going to mention it briefly because I don't know really what to say about it because part of us all sort of play a small role in a way. Yeah. But nowadays I do notice that a criticism gets raised. Mm-hmm. Um, it recently happened with Dream Daddy. Um, often it starts with fan art. Someone drew fan art of the, uh, a kind of a rule. A rule 63. A rule 63 of the Dream Daddies. Um, people criticized or raised concern about drawing the trans man as a woman. Okay. Um, this is what I mean about the cycle criticism is that concerns are raised about mm-hmm. something, whether valid or not. Yeah. Someone takes it too far. 
the inevitable death threats, the show, we at Steven Universe or Dream Daddy or whatever, comments on we obviously don't support that type of thing, Mm -hmm. which means, oh, none of the criticism was valid. And it it was just those angry Tumblr SJWs, which are very often just oppressed people mm-hmm. who want to have their voices heard. Yeah, and sometimes this is young people yeah. as well who maybe don't know better or yeah. are still learning the nuances but are very passionate and want to do the right thing. I've just seen this exact thing happen so many times. And yeah. it's it, to the point where when something gets popular, I'm like, fear. But you brace. You, you're, fear. you're immediately bracing yourself. Um, And it's just... It doesn't... It gives me less incentive to ever make anything of mine popular because yeah. I, I I aspire to make like really fun things popular. that are loved yeah but then I know that will bring so much stress and sadness to people inadvertently if I don't envy anyone in the universe or mm-hmm. in many ways um it's, it's it just seems very hard to sort of write mm-hmm. like um shepherding cats what's it called herding cats. herding cats it feels a little bit like herding cats because you create something that's so important to a lot of young people many of which are in bad situations and this is a lifeline yeah um i just feel we can maybe do better yeah i mean i'm not saying that we should fans shouldn't call out especially within the communities this become this is becoming to move away slightly from critique of creators, but rather critique within communities of fan, because fan communities are very much a conversation. It's engaging with the media. Mm. You should be able to tell a create tell a creator, even if it's a fan art and fan, yeah, it's still valid. You should feel like you can crit- criticize people if need be. If somebody has done something that is transphobic or homophobic or racist, you should feel like you may not have intended this. However, there are ways to have these discussions. And if then a creator is unwilling to maybe address what they have done, then it's complicated. I feel part of the problem is people... Oh, I sound like the worst person. I think if some if someone sees something problematic, they... One th- second. Ah, we used it. We finally we've had the problematic jar on the table for the last like five or six episodes. And we I've haven't said, said it. it. Anyway, when someone sees and I, I think it's a good use of it, when someone sees something like that, they instantly delete from their mind the context of the creator at all. Yeah. So it's something like Steven Universe, which goes out of its way to be the most loving and supportive show about friendship and family and love and happiness ever they instantly forget all of that when they see something they don't like and assume it's a vicious angry attack yeah um when some things are doing vicious angry attacks and we just sort of ignore them and don't really pay attention i know it can feel like an attack when you watch something yeah you're not expecting it we i've talked how an issue with the idea of safe spaces is your guards are down and yeah. things can hurt more because mm-hmm. um, they it, people are people and inevitably something might uh, 
I don't know. It's it's so complicated. It and like, is. I, and I also one thing that frustrates me sometimes when you see with criticism is when criticism comes from a place of misinformation. Yes. Or lack of information, and that is a dangerous thing. And did we want to talk about the casting? Thing with oh, Steven yeah. Universe. I mean, just briefly before that, the thing I was going to mention about Dream Daddy is I saw a yeah. post which just said, in the game, when we find out that uh, Damien is trans, all the other dads, like, attack him and misgender him. And I was like, that doesn't. where happen. does that come from? Yeah. That's purposely sharing misinformation. Yeah, spreading, willfully spreading misinformation or making up things. Just oh, it makes me want get to set notes. Yeah, that just makes me that makes me want to set on fire, set things on fire, and it deliberately twisting the context or removing any of the context, or mm-hmm. just to create drama. It just feels so Wrong. annoying. Anyway, I've, I think I saw recently with Steven Universe. Um, this is mild spoilers, but it was an, they mentioned it at Comic Con. It depends where your mm. spoiler level was, Steven Universe. I won't give any details, but. Um, a person called Jinx Monsoon is uh, voicing a gem in an upcoming episode. Contact people that don't watch Steven Universe. Gems are... Um, Femme-presenting non-binary space rocks. Yes, femme-presenting non-binary space rocks. Um, Jinx Monsoon was the winner of Series 5 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Um, and is very openly non-binary, uses they-them pronouns, but has talked frequently how they believe being female might be in their future. Right. Um, but they're still happy in the space they are in. Cool. They, one of the reasons I love them as a winner is they use their platform to talk about gender and trans rights very awesome. actively. Um, they sound great. Yeah, and you can also just they can you can also use she pronouns for Jinx Monsoon as a drag queen. Pers- and, yeah, for the her, for the drag persona. Yeah, yeah, and um, for the first time in Steven Universe, a one of the non-binary space rocks is being voiced by a non-binary person. However, there was backlash. There was backlash because the. Uh, general idea people think of with drag is it's cheap man and dress jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, that does happen. Um, but part of the reason why Jinx is so popular and won and prominent is that um, they're actually trying to do something and change the world a little bit. Um, there's actually, Jinx did a really good documentary um, about their life and coming to terms with their gender and things, which you can watch. Um, anyway, and also Jinx has been one of the biggest supporters of Steven Universe, has talked lots about how it's their big inspiration and favourite show. And, That's awesome. Um, I saw her being interviewed on a show and uh, they listed their like um, biggest inspirations in life and one of them was Rebecca Sugar, which awesome. I thought was really cute. That is cute. Um, and then, you know, again, no spoilers, they're not voicing anyone who appears to be deeply deeply important to the lore it's more just like a fun cameo mm-hmm. um oh we've got to voice this gem who should we get let's get jinx um and i think it's just that whenever i see something that 
is sort of newsworthy to do about geeky queerness. I Google it and I look up and I read and I try and read the perspectives. Mm -hmm. And apparently that's quite a rare thing to do. Yeah, to not just react. Yeah, people see, you know, the torches being lit and the pitchforks and I'm like, ooh, it's the mob, let's do it. That sounds... This topic, this whole episode makes me sound like the worst anti-SJW Make America Great Again kind of person. Excuse me, I'm a social justice paladin. (laughs) Social justice mage. Um, I'm a social justice rogue, if anything. Social justice thief. Or a social justice bard. Okay, we're social justice bards. We're social justice bards. Um, No, I, I just think the reaction was... Expected, yeah. Um, and this is coming from someone who, a few years ago, was so anti Drag Race. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to talk about it too much, but Drag Race is another example of something where I never watched it. I thought it was awful and the worst thing ever. I still think it has problems. However, I would completely uncritically watch much worse shows, which didn't even attempt to have the kind of representation it does. Um, Drag Race has more trans people, more non-binary and gender fluid people than any show I think it ever has had. Um, It turns them into these big celebrities that people look up to. Yeah. Um, The show actively, increasingly in the later seasons, because it's been getting more popular, like forced discussion of queer history and Uh issues into the show. That's great. Um, and I think uh, the problems that it has, I think um, it's guaranteed that you will also be watching loads of shows with way more problems. Yeah. Which doesn't even attempt to have any representation. Yeah. It's okay if you don't want to watch it out of taste or anything. I'm not mm. saying you have to. It's just that there's more nuance and I think people don't notice the good things do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think part of where this heavier criticism of queer creators or queer media comes from is just like very much a, you should know better, so mm. we are going to... It's that whole thing about you're the oldest, you should be setting a good example mm. for your younger siblings. I think you should know better is a good one because sometimes I feel I should know better. Yeah. Um. I... Yeah, I think that's part of the reason. That's part of the reason people attack indie creators and smaller creators because they're not this big machine. Yeah. They, they're not subject to yeah. certain things. Um, <sighs> I feel like I needed a little break. Yeah, I, I definitely could use It's quite it. a late break, but it's a break nonetheless. A break nonetheless. <laughs> let's, uh, let's put the kettle on. guys for tuning in it's now the middle section of the show thank you for making this far in this episode yeah this <laughs> is kind of it's kind of a, it's a bit heavy it's a bit of a downer but i think this is good i think we've been this is what we kind of set out this is how i felt the show was going yeah. to be when we first started this, this episode is kind of meta we're kind of exploring yeah. ourselves but uh let's not talk about that for a moment let's instead talk about our amazing sponsor yes beastly beverages Phantom and Fantasy Luxury Hand-Blended Loose Leaf Tea and Tea-Related Geeky Paraphernalia. Yes, BC Beverages is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all the products are suitable for vegans. 
and they have this new range of teas at the moment inspired by classic literature. They've got one about Sherlock Holmes. About Sherlock Holmes. There's a, uh, yeah, Sherlock Holmes there's tea. There's a Sherlock Holmes. There is a Dracula. Dracula. There is an Alice in Wonderland. And there is a Pride and Prejudice tea <laughs> that's got um, jasmine blossoms and cornflower petals. And it sounds really tasty. I really... Can I, can I confess something to you, Hamish? What? I have never read or seen any versions of Pride, Pre- Pride and Prejudice. Neither have I. Do you know what that was going to be my point when we just talked yeah, about Pride and Prejudice. Do you know what my, the closest I've ever gotten to Pride and Prejudice is? Bridget Jones's Diary. Oh, wow. The closest I've been is Austenland, mm. which is amazing. Just yeah. FYI. If you want to see a film in which Jennifer Coolidge does a purposely bad British accent, that does the sound whole entertaining. Time, um, it's also a rare Brett McKenzie Brick. act, like full-on acting role in which he does no singing and is there to be an actor. That's weird. It's very surreal. He's one. Of, he's the love interest. Oh, he's so cute, though. He's a love interest in a rom-com. I now I need to see Austin <laughs> Land. Apparently, sorry, uh, oh, sorry. That's what we talk about. When we talk about Pride and Prejudice. It is also my husband's favorite book. Ah. And just this weekend was knitting and watching the BBC adaptation. Ah, oh, the classic one with uh, Colin yeah. Firth and Jennifer. I should yeah. really watch that next time he watches it. He watches it every year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you fancy... <laughs> get, if, if you're a much better fan of classic literature than we are and fancy a delicious brew to go... It does go, sound lovely. It does. Um, you, can go to, you can go pick that up at beastlybeverages.com. They've also got a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter and an Instagram. Um, if you use the sponsor code Beverage Beast, all one word, capital B's, to get uh, you can get free shipping when you spend twenty pounds or more, and they ship worldwide. Once again, that is Beverage Beast, and it is well known that a woman in possession of a lovely tea set is in need of a Pride and Prejudice themed tea. That was so misquoted and bad. That's all the Austin I know. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm just going to stare at you at this belief <laughs> over the rim of my teacup as we finish this break and get back to the show. Or why don't you get some uh, Pride and Prejudice tea and some Dracula tea and then you can have Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Hey. Theme teas. Tea, mix up your teas. I'm sure BC Beverages approve of you mixing hey. all your teas up. Mm, maybe maybe not. try them separately first. <laughs> all right. Back to the show. Yes. So, with all of the criticism that inevitably comes about, let's talk about creating stuff as queer creators. I think, so, I'll do a little bit of announcement. Please. Um, My webcomic, Dead Endia, is getting published. Um, (laughs) I know all the people who have just received their Kickstarter books going, wait, what? Uh, (laughs) Hamish makes his friends buy his books three times steal is um, yeah. <laughs> publishing Dead Endia with my publisher who I did Pantheon with. Um, it's really exciting. They have said they specifically wanted it because uh, school book libraries and everyone just want uh, all ages books with queer characters. Which is um, great. Yeah, apparently that's like one of the most requested things. Um, however... The context of me making a webcomic page by page and having a lot of interaction with the fan base is going to be removed. So instead, this book has to stand completely on its own. Um, and it's requ- made me go through another series of concerns and rereading what I've written. Um, 
I just think there's a big difference between putting out a web page. That's the page for the week. I can have a long discussion. We can I can Q and A things. I can fill in people about what happens, and very different to someone buying it on a bookshelf because the cover looks nice and reading it. Yeah. So when I started Dead Endia, I um, did a seri- I did a I did a call out for sensitivity readers. Um, what what are sensitivity readers? In case people aren't aware. Yeah. So a sensitivity reader is um, someone. It's kind of like a proofreader, but they're just looking for how you've represented something, usually that you are not, because otherwise you'd probably be telling your own experiences. Yeah. Um, so the main character in Dead Endia is trans. Um, I think he's also gay, and I think that's where I I am I, I focus on that a lot more and use my own experiences for that. He's uh, also Jewish, yeah? Yes. Um, and I've made missteps. I've made more racial missteps in the series. Um, but I've really appreciated that people have brought them up nicely. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've made anything horrifically offensive. It's just, what did he mean by that? Quite often I've... Um, something I've learned, which is kind of interesting, is cool. when you hear, for example, a comedian make a joke about their identity... Yes. It feels very strange if... Obviously, I wouldn't say about myself, but if you use that type of joke for a character you've created, it's no longer coming from them. It's yeah. coming from you, and it reads as your opinions. Yes. Um, I basically quoted something that Adam Pally, who's a Jewish male comedian, said and made Barney say it, like, almost word for word. I kind of just stole a joke. <laughs> um, didn't come across. Yeah. Right. Um the character of uh, there's a character called Logs who's Vietnamese and pretty much everything there's been very few references to it because he's not been in the book a lot but everything he said is kind of comes from a friend of mine which I think is also a bit different to a comedian yeah um, I have a Vietnamese friend who I just ask oh if you know we're gonna see his mum or we're gonna do this what, like what are the little things you'd like to see yeah and that's what a good that's what a sensitivity reader is is. I've sent out the PDF to a few people and I've just asked, um, what do you think? Is there any scene that feels missing? Is there anything that feels you don't want to see? But everyone's views are going to be different. So it's not, uh, I'm not tied to what they say. It's more, how can I make this a bit more... How, how if you were reading this and you picked it off the bookshelf, how would you be more happy? Yeah. Um, I apparently haven't stepped in anything too bad, but that's partly because I'm like like we said before, I'm mm. not trying to tell that story. Though you have said there are some things that you'd like to make maybe more obvious, because yes, I think when I f- I did a f- round of sensitivity readers before I started the webcomic, and now it's finished, and I'm doing it again to read over it. So before, I think I went too far on the I on the point I kept getting, which was, I don't want it to be the main focus of the plot. Yeah. Um, I just want it to be an aspect of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, even though it was mentioned a few times, like in the very first issue, uh, he mentions his binder. But if you are A, not trans, or B, don't engage in the sort of queer discussion at all, you re- might literally skip over that line. Yeah. Not really knows what that means. But a few issues later, someone says, was that because you're trans? Mm. Um, and then there's an, a, a time when he's discussing 
like how much like testosterone costs yeah and things like that and after all of that i still had people asking oh is it okay if i head canon barney is trans huh and which made me go he is trans. he is but i don't want people i've talked before about representation and how i don't it should be people who aren't looking for it can't deny it yeah i want it to be a very clear aspect of his character yeah so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm I'm looking for ways to make it more obvious. I'm adding in a few more pages that discuss it, and a little bit more like obvious for the mainstream audience that aren't looking, sure. but done well. Can I mention something that's kind of spoilery regarding 3D? Yes. Um, there is a character in Dead Endia uh, who is based on me visually. Mm. I don't know how much personality-wise, because we don't spend a lot. They're a nerd. Yes. So, but when the story called for a character to die, Hamish asked me how I felt about it happening to my character. Me being me was like, yes, kill Mm. me. It'll be great. But this was the first on-screen death Mm. we saw in Dead Endia, and it was a non-binary character. Yeah. The only, quite violently. Yeah, and the only non-binary character that we know of that's human? Yes. <laughs> I feel so bad. But don't, But what I'm saying is that could... Hamish spoke to me uh, how I felt about that. And arguably they're the, the, the me, ex, the, pro, the, the jade proxy that exists yeah. in that world. But also the act of killing off a queer character. Also, the thing is, one, Dead India has a lot of queer characters in it. It's very hard to do anything bad to a character without it being read certain ways because there's not a single uh, cis, white, straight character. Yeah. Somebody um, could be one of the three, but not all of the yeah, three. Yeah, and it's quite hard to... Anything you want to do could be read as a, a bad thing, but that's yeah. what happens when you have a kind of diverse cast. And here's the thing, because there are such a plethora of characters with different experiences that was a thing that i that certainly didn't bother me as both somebody with a weighted interest in that character but also just as a queer consumer of of dedendia as a product but that's that's one of the first things i'm thinking of altering in the book is that again there's a very different context between oh i've got a sort of cameo character based mm. on my friend who i'm going to kill off mm. Um, in a slasher story. I in think. a slasher story, because it's like a fun way to get my car- my friend involved in the plot. Because <laughs> if you hadn't died, you probably wouldn't have had as many lines of dialogue. Yeah, which is fine. Um, that's fun, but again, kid, maybe a non-binary kid picking up a book, hearing that there's some representation. Yeah. Um, seeing the character barely talk and then get killed off. I still say you could make. With the changes that we discussed, I could exist in, as a ghost. Yes. And be a certain somebody's lackey. Mm. That could be funny. I'm going to... Yeah. The 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 book... If anyone listening that reads Dead Endia, um, the webcomic's gone hold for a bit while I do make the changes to the book. But the book is going to be kind of like an adaptation in that most of it's the same... But a few added scenes. A few added scenes and a few tweaks to the sort of the world and the plot just to clear things up. As much as getting cut out as being added in, really, because yeah. 
as a webcomic, you start and you don't really know what plot threads you're going to use, so I set up a lot of things. Yeah. And I don't want to waste time resolving half of them, so sure. I'm just going to take out the setup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as a as a creator, it can be tough um, to want to be diverse and also tell the same kinds of twisty, turny, shocking stories yeah. that we like. Uh, we discussed actual play podcasts uh, last episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mentioned that I'm developing uh, developing one at the moment. And I'm very much aware that this is going to be put out for public consumption. Mm-hmm. And I'm currently creating a pool of NPCs uh, that are going to be sort of an initial group for the players to draw from to have as characters, uh, characters as contacts. And I'm purposely designing some of them uh, explicitly queer. Uh, some I'm leaving their gender unspecified the characters will be able the player characters will be able to determine one what their gender is and two the nature of their relationship with said characters Mm -hmm. and that's really exciting for me um but i'm also looking forward to creating a world where gender and sexuality is kind of a non- Issue. I get the feeling that something that might come up is the nature of relationships between humans and robots yeah. might be raise more eyebrows, or maybe it won't raise eyebrows at all. And the nature of gender, because um, like in like five centuries down the line, six centuries down the line, I want this to be a world that I could live in, despite the fact it's probably going to be heavily dystopian. But it's not gonna be it's not gonna be shitty because you're gay or because you're yeah, yeah, trans. Exactly. It's shitty if you're poor. Mm. But that's another thing entirely. But these are decisions I'm making in the world building and what I'll be uh, engaging with the player characters is like what things do we not want as an aspect in our world? And uh, I feel that responsibility as the GM who's gonna be sort of the main architect of this to create a world that reflects the kind of characters I want to see. And yeah, that's very much in my mind as I'm in this early plotting stage and I have um, my cast of players. Uh, A couple are straight, a couple I have no idea because it's never come up in conversation. Mm. A couple, um, myself and one of the players um, are non-binary and that's cool i want to i knew i wanted to have this diverse group of voices to play the game as well so these are choices that i'm trying to make as a creator i'm also obsessed with wanting to try and do like queer takes on existing things like shakespeare i I have a, a thought i should talk off stream about doing a podcast that's all like riffs on shakespeare and like every volume would be written by a different person So I might call it bardic inspiration, I don't know, because <laughs> I'm D&D trash. <laughs> I think, but I, I think I, mis, I misuse this term, death of the author. Yeah. But when it's queer stuff, I do like to know where it's coming from. Yeah. Um, I sometimes worry about in Pantheon. Yeah. Um, there's a sex scene between two male gods, and it is played kind of for laughs. Mm. Um, and I worried that 
it might be interpreted as you making fun of yeah i feel like that scene is so different if you know me yeah to if you don't know me mm-hmm. um and that's my main worry with dead end is if i don't want it to feel like shoving in tokenism and trying to get a checklist of yeah uh things it's the only reason why dead end is diverse is because i want it to represent my friends yeah and the world i have around me um so it's tough i think i I like to know where um i do like to know who the creator is and where they're coming from and why they're doing things Mm. um i'm much more willing to criticize something if they're just shoving some representation in to make us happy yeah and we're not um yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, I'm trying to look over something that I wrote down. <laughs> um, when you're looking at queer creators and queer media... Um, here, oh, sorry, I found this quote. This was uh, written by somebody uh, with the username Temporal Decay mm-hmm. uh, on Tumblr regarding um, representation. And I want to expand a little bit on this. Um, I already said about... It's diverse media is not the search for the one. A diverse media is a road towards becoming media without qualifiers. It's not about finding the one and stopping because nothing will ever represent us that well ever again. It's the constant road we're paving one step at a time to reach the point where we too will be able to wrinkle our nose at any given piece of media and then shrug and go look for something else, just like white straight cis people do. And with that same confidence that we will find something else for whatever the reason, because we're no longer genre pieces, we're not a separate Mm -hmm. thing. Be critical of diverse media, by all means, but be critical while you support it. Be critical while you scream at the top of your lungs that you want more of it. To add to my own thoughts to that, these creators need our support they shouldn't be held up to necessarily higher standards and harsher critique because they aren't doing enough by all means please valid criticism is important most people want to do better Mm. and i think that's important to realize things should be talked about but just because something doesn't tick every box it doesn't make it a bad thing and what i would say about criticism is try not to just be reactive don't just be like see a thing blah. do research do a little bit of google it's one thing to have an immediate emotional reaction to something mm. and to say this really upset me i'm not sure why but it's one thing to say this really upset me i need to think about why or this really upset me and i don't know how to feel rather than this thing really upset me it's homophobic Mm. You know, and we like to make those gags about anything that goes slightly wrong in our lives. <laughs> oh, that's queerphobic. Yeah. Oh, that gag. But just because something you just because you don't like something or something upsets you doesn't make it phobic, whichever case that might be. It may be the case that it is. I'm not here to tell you that it doesn't make it wrong for everyone of that identity. Yes. Sometimes something can be important for someone even if it's uh, almost triggering to you. Yeah. Um, your experience doesn't speak for every member of your communities. Yeah. We are diverse individuals. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean how you feel is invalid, and we aren't trying to say that's the case. However, you can't apply your own experience to everybody's. So when criticising something, look at where you're coming from and do maybe... Don't just accept other people's criticisms on face value. 
do a little research. Don't just jump on the bandwagon. There's a reason why mobs have a lot of people in them. <laughs> like, you know, hysteria. It's a great... And mobs are fun. Mobs are fun. Who doesn't want a pitchfork and a torch? Who doesn't want to feel right? And, exactly. Um, I think that's... I think you've nailed everyone, it there. Yeah, everyone wants to... Be on be, the side of right. Yeah, and be the one that discovered mm. the 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 that something's wrong. Um, mm. Yeah. On the other side, or adjunct to that... Adjunct. Is that you shouldn't be criticising something because you feel like you should to get brownie points. It's like, oh, this is so... Burda, 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 aren't I enlightened for thinking mm. and criticising such? It's one thing if it comes from an emotional place or a truth place or... I and see sometimes people criticizing people to save others, which. But I, I, I think this is good when they say like, warning about this film, yeah, blah blah blah, blah or that feels like someone's genuinely trying to yes. protect, yeah, people in their community. Yeah, that's being an ally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there. I feel there are people that maybe criticize for brown, for the sake of brownie points, mm. and maybe are coming at it from a strange place or an unenlightened place or a place that maybe isn't their position to do so. Like I'm not being funny, but straight people aren't necessarily going to be in the right position to address something as being homophobic. You might be. You might be able to say that to me comes across as, yeah. but you as a straight person don't get to tell a gay person that something is or isn't homophobic yeah I'm pretty tired as a, of that as a trans person as a cis person you don't get to say that to a trans person mm-hmm. same of if something is racist you as a white person don't get to say that is or isn't racist yeah because it's not I see a lot of that where it just just let them talk about yeah. it yeah <laughs> stay in your lane stay in your lane people have a voice if you have a platform and they don't Invite them up onto that platform with them. Address yeah. people to those voices. That is what you can do as in criticism. Stay in your lane, but use your turn signals. Signals. Yeah. <laughs> like, let people know where you are, where you're going. Yeah. And yeah, support valid support criticism by all means, but support creators. They're trying. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good place to wrap it up yeah because otherwise we'll be talking in circles and this is our sort of ongoing mission I did want to, to say to seek out new life and new <laughs> civilizations. sorry um, I did want to say how sometimes I like I just sometimes I try and be aware of the bigger battle going on for example um, I have criticisms with Wonder Woman maybe and other people do what was more important to me was making sure that that was a successful film yes and that they knew they could do that and they wouldn't blame it on what we know they'd blame it on yes um and i think i think about the bigger battle a lot with queer representation where i think yeah maybe it's wrong but i sure as hell want them to keep trying yeah exactly like don't let your criticism smother something good Mm. in the process by all means criticize what needs to be criticized but don't inadvertently stop something from happening again don't stop the good in your attempt to correct the bad mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah cool i think that's us cool if you want to get in contact with us to offer some criticism <laughs> um we've got individual twitters i'm jade oxford rose um i'm hamish Steele, and we also have our box not included twitter and tumblr which is at box not included and we have a facebook group where all our conversations and discussions tend to happen these days mm-hmm. um and we have an email, boxnoncluded at gmail.com, if you have something 
more lengthy or yeah. personal or direct. We will read us. the emails. I am setting up my email account to make sure I see <laughs> the emails as well. Um, and we want to, as always, thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord and Master of the Sound Waves. He composed our theme music that we mm-hmm. adore. He helps produce the podcast. Uh, you can check out more of his work at grahamwaller.com and his synth wave goodness, uh, Glitter Wolf. Uh, you can get their latest single, Street Purge, on iTunes and Google Music. But, uh, yeah, until next time, dear listeners, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anybody box you in. <laughs>